Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and I'm joined, as usual, by Dan Wright. We've also got a very special guest joining us this week as well. Delighted to have on Vavil's editor-in-chief, Johnny Bentley. Conveniently, he's a Burnley fan, so he's going to be here to give us the view from Turf Moor ahead of Saturday's game. And, of course, his take on the lovely relegation battle our two clubs are also embroiled in. Johnny, how are you, mate? You all good? Yeah, you know, you said you were struggling for listeners, so I thought, well, the best way really <laughs> to, to rectify that problem was to bring my good self on. Uh, as you say, Harry, you know, I, I, I've been a Burnley fan since, child, well, young child, the dad's team and everything like that. Yeah. Although, as you well know, I do try and be as neutral as I possibly can for every single club. Because we do the own Marvel UK podcast, you pop on from time to time, I try I to do my best covering all teams, just to keep them prospects high, you know, if well, I want exactly. to. Exactly. And I'm sure you're the same. Well, you are the same. Yeah, but... I, I try my best, but I think what we but, will do yeah. is start with Tuesday's night's game against Norwich, mm. another draw, another game without a win. It, it's a result that neither side needed, but given that we were down to 10 men after nine minutes, it could have been a lot worse, couldn't it, Dan? But what on earth was Kieran Clark thinking? <sighs> I, I've got no idea. It's just an absolute... It sums up Newcastle's defensive issues. You, yeah. We can't go well. We can't go nine minutes apparently without doing something stupid, let alone <laughs> ninety. We we started the game on the front foot. We were attacking, and then you go and do that, and it's like the whole game from there is a massive uphill battle. And by the way, Norwich City were pretty poor on the day. Like, yeah, they they were horrendous. Really, I mean, 
they didn't really seem like there's a man advantage at most times. 11 v 11, I really fancy us to go on and win that game. Even if Timo Puki runs on and score, I'd still have fancied us to come from behind because the way we played on the front foot for those nine minutes, it felt like a goal was coming to me personally. So yeah, we've been let down again by one stupid mistake and that's basically summed up our season. I think it was, it was a must-win game after what happened against Brentford and of course the weekend's like a must-must-win now. But looking at that match, and like I was the same as you, Dan. I mean, even if Pookie's racing in on goal, is he gonna score? I mean, the way he took his equaliser, you'd suggest he probably would have. But even then, you're, you're playing against. Well, I would say Norwich are probably the worst team in the league. You've got mm-hmm. 80 minutes against them. We started really well. We're on the front foot, and Ryan Fraser. It was pretty clear early on that he, you know, especially under Eddie Howe, he's, he's gonna do a lot for us. You know, he's, he's brought him back mm. into favour and. To lose him after nine minutes to bring on Fernandez was, I just thought, was just a, an all-round nightmare. And fortunate to get a point in the end, really, because Lise Malou, Fabian Shaw also as well, oh. he played all right. But why is he? Why is he trying to fake shot in his own half in the ninety-third <laughs> minute to let Lise Malou run in? And Dubravka has has got us a point there, and that's once again just shows how important he is. But Johnny is. As someone looking, you know, as a Burnley fan, you're looking at Norwich and Newcastle, two sides you need to finish above this season. Mm. What did you take from that match? Do you see Burnley as better than those those two sides? Well, it's hard, isn't it, really? Because there's always ups and downs in in the course or through the course of a season. I mean, last season, particularly when you look at how Burnley ended up surviving, really, I wouldn't say by the skin of their teeth because they survived with about three games to spare, but it certainly looked... You know, it was it was certainly quite close. Uh, despite that, where you see where the points came from, you're quite surprised. Actually, I know yeah. it was different last season Same with the, with the lockdown. Yeah, and you see, obviously, there were a lot of games actually last season where Burnley were really poor against the teams in and around them, and yet go to Anfield and win, go to the Emirates and win. So that's just sort of how the Premier League is. I don't. I, I think it's really hard to tell at the moment on that game, which you know, again, when you go down to ten against Norwich. I mean, immediately when I saw that, I thought, oh dear, there's a good chance Norwich with the new manager, Dean Smith, in in his second game, good chance Norwich win this because they've just won. There's a bit of momentum. Uh, they're carrying a bit of momentum into today. Newcastle hadn't won. And then, as you say, after just before, less than 10 minutes on the clock and uh, Kieran Clark gets sent off and you're down to 10 and you've not won all season. So to be fair, I, I don't think a point is too too bad in that in that context, really. I know it's Norwich. I know they're probably going to finish bottom of the table, unless Newcastle do, unless Burnley do, unless someone else does. It looks like it's going to be one of the three, three teams. Isn't it? <laughs> well, you don't. Maybe you don't. You really don't know. I think there's a lot of twists and turns. But on paper, they finish bottom. But in the context of of everything, I think uh, I think it was an okay point, really. And, and to answer your question, what you said, do what do I sort of make of it? What do I think from a Burnley perspective? What do I think from everything? I think it's really hard to tell because Newcastle's drawn seven games. You know, one or two of those turned into victories and you're out, and it's outside yeah. of the bottom three. And it's the same with Burnley, really. Lots and lots of draws. Burnley have lost one game in eight. But they've only won one in their eight. Yeah. So it, 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 really, it really is a game of fine margins. The dog's barking in agreement there, unless you've edited that out <laughs> afterwards. So, I'll leave it in yeah. now. Yeah, but but yeah, it's a hard hard one to answer. I'd say it's still too early to say. It's a game of fine margins. I think it's fine margins until we get to the latter stage of the season, and then you say, well, you know, it's not fine margins now, is it? It's just the team's not good enough. But anything could happen, and the point's not too bad given the context of 
of what happened. That, that's what I've you know obviously really annoyed after the game that you look you look at Norwich at home and you see that as a, as a bank of three points and in our situation mm. at the minute, I don't think Newcastle can really afford to draw many more games. Mm. Uh, look, you look at those seven games we've got draws against. Like you said, there if you convert a few of those into wins, then you're out of the, the you know you're out the bottom three. Look, Southampton at home, they were they scored a 90th minute winner and still didn't win the match. Watford, Jacob Murphy's got the whole pitch to himself. Instead of just taking it around the goalkeeper, he tries to chip Ben Foster, gets it you know, horrifically wrong. And then you look, look at that there, there's four points dropped already. They should have beat Brentford, I thought, as well. It climbs to six, so it, it is just those fine margins, but it just shows yeah. why these sides are in the bottom three. Do you feel that's the same, Dan? Well, yeah, I mean, another one I was going to add is Callum Wilson going round the keeper at Brighton. Yeah, forget Gets that, tripped. If they, if they don't get a red card, we win it in the last minute. It's... It's just, nothing's really gone for us, but yeah. I, do you do you think we've got any chance of staying up? I I'm still personally got a, a bit of faith left. I I, I mean that'll probably go if we lose on Saturday, but I've still got a little bit of faith that says there's some decent players in here. Teams have had been in worse situations and stayed up than this with we've, worse teams. With worse teams, we might have a January transfer window that's going to boost us. Although I don't know who's going to be joining us at this stage if we haven't won a game of football I've still got a bit of hope do you? Uh, hard to say really I mean thing is I watched Watford last night and they lost to Chelsea but they were very very unlucky I mean even Tuchel turned around and said they robbed them and that's Chelsea who for mm-hmm. me are probably the best side in the world absolutely destroyed us Yeah. and I look at teams like Watford Burnley they're all picking up points Newcastle, they either lose or get a draw, and if they are drawing a game, they're drawing against. That is, the team that is picking them. up points, though, isn't it? It's picking up, yeah. Well, picking, picking up, up one point. point, picking up one <laughs> point. That's that's the problem. What? Newcastle have, have not won a game in fourteen. I don't think any club has stayed up after not winning a game in, in fourteen. But our main rival is Watford, and even though they're rubbish, and I'll happily say that on here, I think Newcastle are a better side than Watford. They get the mm. job done. <laughs> mm. That's that's the problem. But I want to look back at the game now. And the performance with ten men, very positive, I thought. And yeah, I can't fault any of them. Yeah, I can't fault any of them either. Because I mean, we played it was a four-three-two, wasn't it? But I think we would have lost that game if it wasn't for Joe Linton. Quality once oh, again. Oh, what wasn't a he? shift! What an absolute shift he put in. He looked absolutely knackered coming off the pitch. He was everywhere. Every position. I couldn't tell you what position he played. He was everywhere. Absolutely immense. Was like Patrick Vieira, wasn't he? He's been the player that seems like he's made the biggest difference since Howe's come in because he looks a different player. It's so good to see. Johnny, what do you think of Joel Linton? Because obviously, look, the outside yeah. perspective of Joel Linton is that he's one of the worst buys in Premier League history. But as of recent, mm. he's he's rose from like Newcastle fans just totally writing him off to actually one of the favourite players up here. Well, yeah, no, I, yeah, it came, it came for. I think part of that it came for a forty million pound fee, wasn't it? So that's yeah. obviously gonna gonna affect um, expectations. But he had a really good, he had a really good reputation in the Bundesliga, Hoffenheim, I think, wasn't it? He was he was played for Hoffenheim, yeah. at the time, and he and he did, and he was he was never a renowned goal scorer. I think that's what a lot of people seem to forget. You know, he had a lot of good things and good attributes that included link-up play, what he did. He had some nice footwork, held the ball up quite well, but he was never a renowned goal scorer. And I suppose when people say he's spending forty million on a striker, you're thinking, oh, 15 goals, but he wasn't necessarily going to bring that anyway. And yeah, I suppose he's going to be a beneficiary of a, of a manager that provides more of an attacking system than the previous manager. Of course, the previous manager, Steve Bruce, it was more of a 
organized block harry would argue organized, disorganized block organized. Yeah, <laughs> that's what i, I said harry on, would harry would argue a disorganized block and i'm sure you would as well dan but that's what bruce yep. was, was aiming for but his his attacking system again was more which wasn't actually a bad attacking system get the ball to alisette maximan and see what he does and i don't think that's <laughs> yeah. the worst idea yeah. in the world but yeah for the other attacking players fraser joe linton probably Wilson as well. I think we'll see uh, a more of a lot more coming from them because they'll probably be creating more chances, they'll be getting more involved, they'll know more about what they're doing. St. Maximin, I'm sure, will do well as well, but again, I don't think he was necessarily a problem under Bruce either because he, he can just do what he wants, can't he? And I imagine... Well, it'll be quite interesting. I can throw this to you, maybe. Um, in a more system-based attacking, could that actually be maybe a bit of a detriment to set Maxman. I don't know. It wasn't against Brentford, but against Arsenal, he was quite quiet, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he didn't look like he was bothered against Arsenal, to be fair. I mean, he was no. stood in the away end and he, he looked pretty disinterested, but, you know, he's put him back out wide, which should be his best position. But, of course, St. Maximum was going to like Steve Bruce and his methodology, should we say, because he's given him that free rent to play wherever the hell he wants because he's one of the only players in the Newcastle squad that can win a game on his own for us under how he's going to use him out on the wing because that's his mm. best position. He's going to be quieter in spells for us, but I think over time he'll he'll come more effective. I think that's a, probably the right way to say it. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And also it's, it's, it's not a good idea just to have your whole idea give it to one man because he's at Newcastle United for a reason. He's not at a top club because he is inconsistent. If you're just giving it to him and he's mm. on an off day, you've got very little attacking outlet. So get, getting the other players more involved and putting them in a position that is more rigid and he's got a role I, I think will overall improve his his contribution in terms of goals and assists I think it'll be a lot more fruitful for him yeah no I'm just going to say as well I think obviously in modern day football it generally always makes sense to try and build a system or cohesive system that's what many managers coming into clubs now are expected to do provide a philosophy a detailed philosophy um, but but again I suppose when you've got a player like St. Maximan who was so good, it kind of did work. The problem with Bruce, of course, as you well know, from a defensive perspective, was the disorganised block and the fact that, of course, yeah. you know, there was no... Uh, it, it wasn't really convincing at all, even with ten men or nine men behind... No, it would be ten men behind the ball, including the goalkeeper, with St. Maximan up there, maybe Wilson, so nine. Uh, it didn't really work. So now Eddie Howe's coming in, he's trying to play a more attractive brand of football, a more attacking brand of football. It's almost like, well, we couldn't defend before... And now it doesn't matter. We'll just put more bodies forward. It seems to be that certainly was the case against Brentford uh, in, his, in, in the first match where he wasn't there. And we'll just throw more bodies forward. But at the same time then, I mean, isn't it, you'd argue you can't look more vulnerable defensively because you've seen it under yeah. Steve Bruce. But there are a lot of gaps to exploit out there, aren't there, when men push forward and, and Newcastle try to play out from the back in a, in a more structured way. It was Everton last night when I was watching them. And Liverpool, mm. of course, were, were phenomenal. But as soon as Everton committed a few bodies forward it just looked like they were going to concede and it's the same with Newcastle they've got to play more attacking they need to score goals they need to win football games but of course you've got to be solid at the back problem with Newcastle is they can't defend to save their lives so as soon as them players push up from an attacking perspective it leaves us so vulnerable at the back and we always look like we're going to concede and it just once again resonates how quick we need to get to January because I would say in our next, you know, next run of games, it's probably only Burnley next that's the winnable match there, and we've got Leicester. Oh, I don't know about that. Leicester away, and then it's it's Liverpool, City, 
Man United. We've got them all. So it's a it's going to be a really really tough Christmas period. I mean, we knew this, of course, but one thing I can say is a massive positive from the defence is the return of Federico Fernandez. I mean, six games. He wasn't even in the squad, completely ousted. We couldn't get a straight answer from Graham Jones why he'd, he'd been took out of the squad. Uh, on his day, I would probably say he's our best central defender. And he came on you know, when Clark got sent off and I thought he was quality. you agree, Dan? Yeah, he, he didn't put a foot wrong when he was on the pitch. He, I was really impressed with him. You might have expected a bit of rustiness because, as you said, he's not, not been involved for whatever reason. But yeah, he was spot on. And I think... There'll be serious question marks if he puts Lascelles back in ahead of Fernandez. Mm-hmm. I can maybe see them partnering each other, which for me, I'd, I would keep with a four. Fernandez and Shaw. I know mm-hmm. Shaw's a bit of a liability. He nearly lost us the game. But actually, when it was 11 v 11, there's a few times he, dr- he kind of drove mm-hmm. with the ball. He passed the ball. Uh, we don't have another player who can do that. And he, he's another attacking outlet from the back that can just help us push and push. And I think that is what Eddie Howe ultimately wants to do with this team, it seems. Get us on the front foot, which is, is quite exciting because it's the first time we've seen it in a while. And for me, Jamal Lascelles doesn't get anywhere near this team again after coming back from suspension. I agree. I mean, you probably know that I'm not Jamal Lascelles' biggest fan, nor I'm not <laughs> Clark's biggest fan. But watching him against Arsenal, I mean, he's a red card waiting to happen. But looking at Fernandez and Shaw, yes, like you said, they were Shaw. He's probably the only defender in Newcastle have got that can pass a ball more than 15 mm. yards. So for me, if you want to play attacking football, you've got to start him. But there's another debate as well on the left-hand side now as well. Look, Rat Ritchie is a winger, but mm. he does a job at full-back in terms of, you know, he, he gets good crosses in the box, that sort of thing. But Jamal Lewis, I thought, came back into the side. I mean, he fortunately got back into the side through suspensions, but coming up against his former club... I thought he played really well, but listening to how in his press conference, yeah, he said he played well, but he, the first thing he turned around and said was he's a very attacking fullback. Now that mm. tells me that he he might play against Burnley, he might play against the sides around us, but if if we're coming up against a you know like a top side, he's he's going to go with Richie. And for me, it you've got to start Jamal Lewis when we paid fifteen million pound for him. He was good at Norwich in a team that finished bottom of the league, in a, a defence you know maybe. Not as bad as ours, but it was still pretty rubbish. And he always done a good job. Do you feel that with with Jamal Lewis, I've always thought that he didn't look ready to play for this club. But on the basis of that performance on Tuesday, I'd start him, especially over Richie. Oh, 100%. And I, I think he does have defensive sort of frailties. But then so does Matt Richie. He's a winger being asked to play fullback. Uh, have we seen Richie play as on the left side of a back four? Ever? No, well, he's a right like, winger. A... That's what he came into. Like, yeah, Richie he's a right winger. I'm not. Sh- he was a right winger. I'm not sure why he's been developed into a left wing back and not a right wing back. It's. <laughs> I think it's just because we didn't have any, didn't yeah. have anyone. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, for me, Lewis was was really good. He won a lot of good tackles as well and blocks, which you don't expect from a player like Eddie Howe described as a very attacking left uh, left back, left back. But he did get forward and he was an extra outlet so for me I would definitely keep the back four definitely start Lewis because Richie's had a very poor start to the season before we go on to the Burnley game I just want to ask Johnny about this and yeah. looking at Newcastle of course you know you're coming up here on Saturday do you see this game as one of your easiest of the season or do you see it as like oh, there's going to be 50,000 Geordies there it's going to be 11 v 11 they're going to be up for it and we've not got the best record against Newcastle how do you see it going 
Ah, uh, was a lot of a lot of thought processes going on there, Harry. Um, I'll, I'll, I think uh, I, I'd I'd say it's just it's just another game, really, and and it's it's difficult to distinguish other than the Etihad or or Stamford Bridge. Maybe not Stamford Bridge, actually, from the Burnley perspective, or uh, Anfield. They're your sort of tr- three traditionally difficult games. But the rest of them, you sort of look and think, well, yeah, th- there's an opportunity here. I, I, personally, now, if you were to I'd probably predictions come later, but you throw it at me, you're probably looking at maybe maybe draw. But you won't be surprised with any result. I won't be surprised yeah. if Newcastle won. I won't be surprised if Burnley won. I won't be surprised if it was a draw. It's really difficult. I think you get that with a lot of games in the Premier League. We see now there's three pace setters at the top who win against most teams below them. But apart from that, yeah, anything can happen, really. Look at Tottenham at the moment. Antonio Conte, one of the best managers in the world. Love him to bits. Think he's great. <laughs> but, Johnny's done more Tottenham games than Burnley games. I have. Fox but I, do, I haven't done a Conte game yet because it was cancelled. But hey-ho. <laughs> um, I was very annoyed about that. But he he was... Yeah, he even even his Tottenham are looking uh, particularly dif- uh, in a difficult situation at the moment. Probably not too dissimilar to the Newcastle situation. Need a January investment. So yeah, I don't think about it being an easy game or a hard game or a, I think every game's quite challenging in its own right and there's all different challenges. You're right. There's going to be a roaring atmosphere at Newcastle. The toxicity's gone of the Steve Bruce era. Alan St. Maximum predominantly has an excellent record against Burnley, yeah. usually causes chaos. However, this is an Alan St. Maximum now in an intricate system where he's not going to be quite as influential as he was maybe under Bruce, where Bruce just said, oh, go out and do your best. Roll your socks up. <laughs> Run. So it's going to be, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a bit of a different set maximum, I think. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And every game's difficult. And even if Newcastle lose that game, I still think it's a bit early to be saying relegation uh, is a certainty. See, I think most Newcastle fans think, uh, there's quite a few that already think we're relegated. And I certainly think with a defeat against Burnley, <laughs> I think that's that, that will be curtains. For me, I, I think there's point of no return. Even with a yeah. January investment, even well, if they well, were able I, to get in players, they're yeah. going to need like top six form. They're going to need about nine or ten wins to stay up. Yeah, I, well, I, what I would say is that sort of it, it, as well. This is sort of counterintuitive because I was sort of backing the backing your point. But then now I'm saying you, you know, all Newcastle fans want a big big investment in January, understandably, to fix the problems. But even though it make, I mean, oh, was it Martin Keown was saying, oh, five five players, fifty million apiece, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> I don't think it'd be quite that, Martin. <laughs> but I did think that it's interesting because you've also got to get the right type of character in because there'll be a lot of players that will go to Newcastle and go, oh, what a great quid. great salary I'd be on there. Yeah, you know, yeah. what a great op- And then if we get relegated, I've got a, a, a clause where I can leave for X amount. You know, these kind of things happen a lot and. I think we saw a similar situation not too long ago. I know QPR had some joy in the Premier League, but there was a period where they were signing that type of player that wasn't really up for the fight, that wasn't really wanting to, to run the hard yards. And Newcastle, really, in January, will have to get the money to get the the players of the highest of the high quality that they can get, but they have to make sure that they've got the fight and the desire. Almost like you were talking about before, that if you could get... I don't know. If you could have 11 Matt Riches in terms of desire, you'd have 11 Matt Riches on there because I think he's a fantastic player who's, you know, I, it, certainly if I look from a Burnley point of view, he'd walk in at right midfield for, from, from a Burnley point wow. of view, really would. Because, again, wide players at Cornet is now a striker, so it, there, there is that gap there. That's mad. But, we'll get on him yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a mad transition, that. But, yeah, that's the difficulty in January. Irrespective of what happens now, easy to spend the money and sign big, big, bigger name players with with proverbial quality but not got the fight or the hunger then it's just going to be a, a mess at the end of the season when Newcastle do go down yeah and 
look, like I said before, playing against top sides like we did against Arsenal the other week, and it was kind of like, you know, you go into the start of the season, you go, you know, Arsenal away, Tottenham away, those sort of games, and see it as a free hit, and you go, oh, look, we'll get something great, if not, it doesn't really matter. I think Newcastle are in a situation now where they don't really have any free hits anymore. But what I did want to look at, Dan, is, and probably the same for you joining as well, not, mm. not sort of, obviously, with, you know, the whole take of things gone on Newcastle is, and Newcastle, and look, Amanda Stavely said, five years we want to win the Premier League. When Arsenal are bringing on Gabriel Martinelli, who can barely get a game for them, he's mm. better than half of our squad. Does that just show how far behind we are from these sides? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Arsenal on. I mean, they're on a good run, but they're not. They're not a top elite team by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And to be honest, it's frustrating the way we lost that game because again, you look at defensive errors. I mean, you're looking at Jamal Lassell standing with his hand up, appealing for offside when there's clearly a, a, a bloke two <laughs> feet in front of him. In his eye vision, what do you think is going to happen? Close him down, get in the way of the shot. It's an, it's, I, I do that at five aside, to be fair. I, do that. <laughs> I just like that can't be bothered. No, yeah, probably. Sign Come on, up. lad. Pointing at <laughs> one of the players' run. You, you get and he just gives Saka a free shot, and Saka's obviously a, a quality, quality player, and he's not going to miss a chance like that. It's just so frustrating. You've got diagonal lines of approach and like playing an offside trap in a diagonal with one player's yards away from the other. It's an absolute shambles. So it's not a free hit, but we just, we need to do the basics, right? We need to be tight and and try and have a go on the break. It, it's frustrating the way we conceded the, those goals. We probably would have lost anyway. They probably would have found a goal, but it's just so frustrating. I think it was a bit flat, wasn't it, in terms of like we all expected Newcastle. I think we all said as well mm. before kick-off it was like, We'll play all right. It's just whether Arsenal turn up because probably they're the most temperamental team in world football. If Arsenal on the day mm. can beat anyone, but you know if you can catch them on and off, there you'll get three points again against them. And it was just we were so flat. And mm. the first half we got it in at nil nil. But other than Shelby hitting the bar and Aaron Ramsdale with the most over dramatic save I've ever seen. Yes, it was a good stop, but. It was straight at him. He could have just batted over the bar and he went for the spectacular. Mm. It, oh, it was just, it was just. I felt it was an opportunity missed because, like you said, Dan, Arsenal probably would have won the game. But you look back at it and think maybe we could have got a point out of that. But I don't want to sit and talk about this Arsenal game forever because we're a massive game on Saturday mm. against Burnley. Johnny, I'm going to mm. speak to you about Burnley in a second. Right. But Dan, every game is massive for Newcastle. Is this the biggest match in St James's Park in recent memory? The biggest one since Tuesday, definitely. <laughs> That's um, exactly. I mean, they're all huge. I mean, Norwich was such an opportunity. Nine minutes in, the whole the whole atmosphere is flat. Um, I would say the atmosphere was pretty special on on Tuesday. Yeah. And if we can get a slice of that on Saturday, I think we've got every chance of winning. But it's just I'm I'm nervous already to be honest because it does feel like. Even though there's lots of football to be played, if we lose this game, it's pretty much all over, all but all bother shouting. So it's it's massive. It's because the running we've got after this yeah, game, absolutely. Well, our next four games. From crap, we got a Leicester away. You're going down, aren't you? That one. Yeah. yeah. Liverpool away. You're going to lose like six nil on the basis of what they done ever yeah. last night. Man City at home. That is legitimately the nightmare before Christmas. Johnny, that's going in the match report. Remind me on that one. No, uh, then we've got Man United the day after Boxing Day. Absolutely mm. no chance. And then we've got Everton at Goodison Park. Other than the mad 2-2 mm. game. The thing is, right, if anyone's going to give us a win, it's Everton, mm. isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Agent Rafa. Agent Rafa. Agent Rafa. Yeah. Could go on but, a bit of a tangent about Benitez, really, because 
I think there's a lot of Newcastle fans that are yeah. quite happy he's, he's not here. I think he's really? been dealt a bad hand, mind. Yeah. Johnny, what do you yeah. think about Benitez? Oh, well, one of my, one of my best mates, a few of my best mates are Everton fans. I take great pleasure in winding them. I take great pleasure in winding <laughs> anyone up, to be fair. <laughs> so it's not, it's not, as you well know. Um, but, yeah, I think he's been dealt a really bad hand. I think the issues stem far beyond Benitez. You know what? I, I did tweet about this, so it might be why you asked me, but I was, I was sort of thinking, Harry, it was a bit like in a weird warped kind of way when Bruce was at Newcastle and you know right hear me out when Bruce was at Newcastle under Mike Ashley Bruce wasn't helpful was he but he no. wasn't the major problem the major oh, yeah, the problem, biggest was, problem was always Ashley yeah yeah but that was because he didn't spend mm-hmm. and he was just a, a pretty rubbish owner in that respect now Mashiri does spend and he spent a lot of money mm-hmm. but he's also still the biggest problem because recruitment at that club has been so poor for so many years and Benitez has come in and he's had 1.7 million and to he spend. He spent it his... really well. He did. He did spend it well. He got Townsend and he got Gray, and he's got them playing well. But 1.7 million pounds to spend in the summer—it's just not enough for, especially when you look at back Ancelotti and Marco Silva and Roberto Martinez and Ronald Koeman, and none of them succeeded. They all flopped. They all flopped after spending lots and lots and lots of money. And that tells you that there's something fundamentally wrong with the squad and the approach to recruitment. Hence, probably why they didn't spend anything. But that's not Benitez's fault. And he's been, and as you as you said, he, couple off, coming off the back of that, he's had serious injuries to Calvert Lewin. He hasn't been available since week three. Ducore's been out in, for periods of time. Richarlison's been out as well for periods of time. And Rondon had to come into the team when he wasn't even fit. So I, I would, I'm with you, Harry. I think he's been dealt a bad hand. At the same time, didn't make any sense did it, that appointment, given given no. the. Uh, Given the fact that he's a Liverpool legend, given the fact that he was hated from day one, because every t- it's just they, a lot like if, Bruce at Newcastle. That's what I mean. Really, I, yeah. I, the, the parallels were so obvious because as soon as Bruce goes on a bad run, it's all run, it's all Bruce out. But as soon as Everton lose a few games, it's all Rafa out. But the the real problem at Everton's way beyond Rafa. It's about recruitment. It's about how the money's been spent and well, basically thrown away, and it's about a lack of a plan. I'm going to read a text out that I got from my mate last night and he's always been quite on the fence with Benitez like even when we were linked with him last year it was when everyone got very excited that Rafa was going to come back and of course mm. it's a match made in heaven here he, you know everyone loves Benitez but I texted him at, after the game last night and I just said Rafa mm. discuss and he said dinosaur genuinely could have been a great Premier League manager but believes in his own hype a little too much ultimately mm. he is not that good Dan what do you think about that statement? it's harsh because I really like Rafa and the fact that he's doing so terribly with Everton if anything makes me like him even more (laughs) Um, I I don't know about Dinosaur but he is a manager that when he was at Newcastle I I love him for what he did here fantastic job whatever but he was very set in his ways wasn't he like Mm -hmm. for example would never get the substitutions on time or would he stick to a very rigid football style he's clearly got his ways and for a lot of his career it's worked to be fair to him I find it funny looking at Twitter seeing Everton fan after Everton fan like criticise Rafa and Rondon together as the worst people ever. And if you'd offered that to Newcastle in the summer, we would have had a party. Like yeah. it's it's crazy. Um, it's obviously not worked out. It's it's not a surprise. It, I don't know why he went. I don't know why there. he took it. He's a type of bloke, isn't he? That he's just desperate for work. From what we've seen, like he jumped straight into the Chinese project, which he didn't really do due diligence. There wasn't. It wasn't sustainable as we've seen now, and he's left. He shouldn't have gone to Everton. 
I would have absolutely had him back in a heartbeat under Same the here. new takeover. But to be honest, would I swap him for Eddie Howe now? No, I'm I'm fully fully team Howe on this one. I think he's been a breath of fresh air, apart from the fact that we still haven't won a game of football. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could have put it any better, to be fair. But I feel with Rafa, it's just like, I don't want that chapter to be reopened again. It was so mm. nice. It, it ended terribly, of course, with him. You know, the way See, I'd argue that Eddie Howe would be much better suited to Everton and... Uh, Rafa Benitez would be much better suited to Newcastle, but I sort of is, is that in terms of obviously Everton have a better side and how it can play that expansive football with Everton and Rafa would bring that defensive solidity he had with that same defence he had a couple of years ago. Definitely the latter. I'm not actually convinced Everton's team's as good as people think it is, but I mm, think yeah. he he would he would give a bit more. He well well for starters the fans would be on side far more than they are with Rafa Benitez the Everton mm. fans and with Newcastle I think you hit the nail on the head really Harry I think probably a back three with wing backs, an actual organised structure, which you saw, you know, really helped out the, a defence that in the end wasn't very good. I mean, even you told me how, how much Lascelles, better Lascelles was and, and Shaw was. Well, were, well, I mean, Lascelles, we want them to get called up for the England squad in 2018 for the World Cup. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, that was always go. a bit daft, but he looked like an actual defender. <laughs> it was still a rumour though, wasn't it? It was, it yeah. was legit, he was being, you know, Talked yeah. about at least uh, to me, to though, I, I, you sort of, I sort of see if they had an org, if you had an organised defensive unit, and then you had Saint Maximan and Wilson in the free freedom role. I mean, Saint Maximan under under that Benitez team when he had Rondon in the leading the line, not Wilson. He didn't have Saint Maximan. I think personally that would be a better fit, but that's all hypotheticals because again, it won't happen. So there you go. Yeah, I think it's let's get on to the Burnley game, Johnny. Yes. I want to chat to you all about. <laughs> Daisha's no. boys, 10 points uh, this season. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm pretty fair in saying you expected to be around here at this point, maybe a little bit higher, maybe out of the bottom three, mm. but Burnley are, are, I would say, the heart to beat, but they aren't mm. winning many games. Just just mm. talk to me on your, evaluate your season so far. Yeah, I think I, I think this is the first time I spoke about Burnley on a podcast at length, actually, so let me, let me gather my thoughts. I think that generally, yeah, the, the game's throughout the season there's not been too many games where you think oh that was a really poor performance that's really worrying there been very few of those in fact in almost every game this season you they were honestly it felt like fine margins Burnley win fine margins Burnley lose draw it, it, it felt like a very very uh, very very small margins in, in those games even at Anfield in second game I thought Liverpool probably deserved to win but Burnley gave a really good account of themselves got some shots off at Alisson could have gone one nil up before the Jota header against Everton. Three one loss. Dominated the game for sixty minutes. Then ten minutes of madness. Three one down. Leicester at the King Power. Two one up. Mistake by Pope. Two two. Uh, late Jamie Vardy goal. And then Chris Wood millimeters offside makes it three two in the last seconds, and that's obviously ruled out. And that's sort of been the story of the season, really. Lots of fine margins. Very very close in most matches. Off the top of my head, I. I'm struggling to think. I think arguably the worst performance of the season was Norwich, which was a nil-nil. 47 crosses in that game, the most Burnley's crossed in a Premier League game since they've been in the Premier League. <laughs> and it did look like a, a game where the attack was bereft of ideas. It was one of those where if one goes in, you know, maybe maybe it opens up a bit, maybe, and you'd expect Burnley to go on to win, but Norwich stayed firm, sturdy in a back five, and it, it really couldn't do anything. So... Other than that game, which was quite frustrating, I'd say the majority of the season's been a 
competitive in every single game. And to be honest, that's always a good sign. You can't keep saying we were com- you were competitive, you were competitive, you were competitive, which is, you know, and Sean Dyche admitted as much himself. But it's something to build upon. And as you say, Harry, 10 points is okay with a game in hand at this stage of the season. And a win at the weekend and, and suddenly life's kind of looking quite rosy you know so so it will it, there'll be a lot riding on that game at the weekend more for Newcastle mm-hmm. for sure but a win would do a tremendous amount for a Burnley team like I said earlier only lost one in eight games so that's definitely it's not ideal because there's only one win in those eight but so you've only won one all season haven't you yeah yeah won one in eight games in the last eight games there's one win and one loss so Six draws, and I think the loss was against Man City. So it, it'll be difficult. It'll be a difficult game to call. Let's put it that way, because Newcastle's also drawn a lot. Yeah, like like you said there, it's going to look very rosy if you do win. But yeah. if you do lose, of course, Newcastle. I think they'll jump above. No, they'll not jump above on goal no. difference. We'll be on the same points. Yeah. Would you start to panic a little bit and see that as oh, we've lost? It. You know, Newcastle have not won a game all season. They've turned up here and beat us. Not really. I'm just a very mellow guy, Harry. So I just. <laughs> but do you think your like, fans yeah. will be panic stations yeah. a bit? Uh, well, I, th- I think it's it's common practice for fans of clubs to be negative and pessimistic, at the, even at the best of times, really, isn't it? So, I think yes, there will be some there will be some panic fans. There already are. There were some panic fans after the Wolves nil nil, which probably wasn't. That it's was not, probably in the that's lesser. Not a bad result, that to be fair. They yeah, hammered us. W- I'd, yeah, I'd say it was in in the lesser of the performances actually. Or, or, what I was talking about just then better than the Norwich performance good really solid defensively but going forward there was a bit of a disconnect sometimes that happens I think with Burnley and, and you just sort of you have to hope then the defensive rear guard is strong and it was so so it was a solid point but no I, I, listen I, I wouldn't be surprised if Newcastle won and took it to 10 points as well I wouldn't be concerned really at all because again you're saying from your point of view from the Newcastle point of view well we uh, we need to win to survive because then after that, there's a whole horrendous run of fixtures mm-hmm. up until Christmas. Whereas for Burnley, if you look at it, it's, Burnley's had a lot of the more difficult games. You know, they play some. There's a there's a few winnable fixtures coming up for Burnley. One of which is Watford. You know, one of the night matches. So that that's certainly something to look at and target and say. Well, the, the, ideally, there'd be a three points along the way there. Burnley played quite a lot of tough games already, and there is Man United on the twenty twenty ninth, I think, uh, night game, but. No, I, I, I don't. I don't think win, draw, or a loss is going to be too problematic from the Burnley standpoint. But then again, maybe that's just my demeanour. You ask another hundred Burnley fans, they'll probably say it's Armageddon. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know really. But I wouldn't be too concerned. I'll tell you when I would be more concerned slightly. Uh, would be in January when Maxwell Cornet goes to the Africa Cup of Nations. Oh, that yeah. requires mm-hmm. some January, clever January investment, I think, to get around that period unscathed with Watford as well I've looked at the amount of players they're going to lose to AFCON I mean they're going to lose like Saar I think Emmanuel Dennis will go as well like a lot of their top players I think they're without five or six so I wouldn't be surprised mm. if their form dropped off massively as well but you touched on Corner there Johnny mm. you have been raving about him. remember when he first signed yeah. I think he, he yeah. scored that unreal goal against Leicester and you text me yeah. going I've never seen a Burnley player do a step over before <laughs> Just, no 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 I no, mean, no, 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 in no. as a left back he's yeah. now a striker yeah. Tell me all about this man because I texted you as well saying yeah. how much for Corney and you said three hundred million plus cent maximum. That figure's gone up since then as well. <laughs> you know, with three hundred and fifty-one million plus cent maximum, and Steve Bruce for banter. You know, we will we'll bring Bruce over. We'll throw in his uh, uh, son as well, Alex. 
Alex, yeah, yeah. Don't forget Alex. We're we like we're like football families. No, I think. I mean, I, I messaged you to be fair before he scored the goal. That was just when he came off the bench against Arsenal and he did one step over, which quite <laughs> it made, it was like whoa. No, but the whole crowd went whoa. So <laughs> it's, it's a rare it's a rare occurrence at, at Turf Moor to see that. It really is. Um, but it was. Yeah, it was. He's, he's he's done phenomenally well, and I think. And I do compare him in a way to Saint Maximan because when you have a player who's so significantly better than the other player in the attack around around you then you have to get them the ball as much as possible I think that's what Deitch is thinking anyway or at least what Deitch seems to be thinking now is as you say came as a left back but he did play at left midfield and right midfield the reason he was left back at Lyon was more to do with the fact they have a plethora of attacking talents that fill those gaps so it's almost like we're shoehorning him in because he's a good player he's at left back he's not a left back really or a, or a left back you'd be, feel confident with because he just wants to go forward then he moved forward to the wings, left mid, right mid, and then he moved up just off the striker. And that manoeuvre, I think, is more to do with the idea of he is our most talented player technically, get him as close to the goal as possible. It's interesting because I don't think Cornet's a natural finisher. I don't think he's a player who, if you went through on goal 20 times, you'd back him to get 17 or 18 in. I don't think he's a natural finisher as such, but he can score some amazing goals. It's a bit like... I remember in a few of the games he started with, he did actually go through on goal. He went through on goal against Man City. He should have scored. He went through on goal in the Cup, I think against... I can't remember who it was against now. But he went through he went through in a, in a Cup game and he missed several one-on-ones. But then with some of the harder chances, you know, the volley the volley against Leicester, the volley against against Crystal Palace, the two brilliant goals against Southampton... He's brilliant at that. He he seems to have such a technique for the harder chances, which is quite strange and quite wonderful because we all love wonder goals. But yeah, that's sort of how he's got to the position he's got to because Burnley have such a dearth, I think, of genuine technical brilliance in that team. As I said, I joke when you do one step over, everyone goes, ooh. <laughs> and it's similar to with St. Maximan, I suppose, at Newcastle. Maybe back back. Mate, we get a maybe throw in, in and people start jumping up and down. Yeah. No, but but that's the point, really. And the the idea is to maximise that to the most, and to say, well, we, we're going to limit your defensive work as much as can you can we can kind of. We want the ball to reach you. And he looked a bit lost against Wolves, and people were saying, should he go back out wide because the ball wasn't coming? He gets less of the ball in the forward areas because, of course, you can easily find a, a player on the wing with a simple pass, and often when he's in in a, in a front two, he can get marked. So that's something to look out for, whether he play, whether he goes back to the wing, whether he stays up top. But I think what Sean Dyche is thinking really is, he's head and shoulders our most talented player, getting close to the goal. Dan, I want to talk about Joel Willock quickly, because my dad was at the match the other day, and he said that some mm-hmm. guy sat next to him, and he said, uh, have we got his brother by mistake? Have we got the right Joel Willock? Yeah. Have, have we made sure we've got the right one? Because... He's been a bit underwhelming, hasn't he? I mean, he wasn't yeah. the best against Arsenal, and yeah. I didn't think he played that well on Tuesday either. I think he started the season reasonably well, and he just, I don't know what's happened. He seems to be going in a straight line, maybe a little bit down even. Like, it's it's worrying because you look at what happened. Uh, do you remember Kennedy had him on loan, and oh, he was yeah. a world beater. Absolute world beater. Million Phenomenal. Him, We're all like, pay the 25 million, pay the 30 million. And we got him back on loan, which we're all buzzing about, and he was absolutely horrendous. That Cardiff game, that oh, finished him. It was... He might be the only player I've ever seen drop a genuine zero out of ten. Like that was <laughs> missing that think... last minute penalty as well. Oh my! That word. was peak. Did he ever? Can you remember that game, Johnny? It was Newcastle versus Cardiff. 
few years ago. There's a, yeah. There's a nil nil draw. And Kennedy, honestly, it was the worst performance I've yeah. ever seen from a Newcastle player. And that's saying something. Am I saying a lot? It was the 90- I was just going to say that I think, I think when you do get a player on loan from a big club, and they have the expectation then this is their platform to put themselves in the shot window to maybe get an opportunity at their parent club or to go to another club. You've got that. Um, you've got that sort of that the the motivation to then succeed. But once you then maybe move permanently, gets tied onto quite a long contract maybe, which is fairly well paid. Then the motivation probably sometimes slips, doesn't it? A bit, mm. you know, we see quite a, a lot of, a lot of examples Look at of that. that. Signed that massive that, contract, that, didn't he? Well, there you go. I mean, I, I wrote a wonderful, wonderful piece actually for the website on, uh, if I do say so myself, <laughs> on Rudiger and the situation at Chelsea, and saying, well, you know, you can't always bow down to excessive demands, financial demands. It doesn't always work out. You got to sometimes think, is the player really, really good? Is he, is he in a purple patch? Is the system helping him out? And yeah, with Willock, I think. I got the sense when Willock had his time at Newcastle, there was a part of him that maybe wanted to make that step up at Arsenal. And maybe there's disappointment there that he never did. I don't know. But again, you you want fighters, don't you? You want warriors in a, in a plight like this. And, and you also want quality. And, and what Willock did deliver in his loan period was a lot of quality. So the hope for, for you guys is that he manages to find some of that magic uh, over the over the coming season, but it's not been not been looking too bright for him so far. I think a lot of it though is down to him playing a bit deeper, and that's just because the defense is so bad. Like last year, he was he was essentially like an attacking midfielder who'd make those late runs in the box, quite Lampard esque really. And I mean, mm. the goals he scored were excellent, but Newcastle are in a position at the minute where they can't really have like advancing forward midfielders. They need Cantes all over the pitch, really. So I think until we get some better players in, it's harsh to make a judgment on Willock, but he's not been great. But I think a lot of it is down to the, the tactics and the formation, unfortunately. But coming towards the end of this podcast now, and what we always like to do is end off with a score prediction. It's Newcastle versus Burnley. It's another cup final for the two, and it's a pretty big game for the Clarets as well. Johnny, as our guest, I'll yeah. come to you first. What do you think, Saturday? You know, score you know, well, I, I'm Mr Mello and I actually, sometimes I get these predictions right and wrong and then, but I, I actually fancy Newcastle. <laughs> I, I, that, might, that might surprise you. <laughs> and I know you're expecting the opposite, but given the history of what St Maximan has done to Burnley and given the fact that Newcastle are in must-win territory, given the fact they probably won't go down to 10 men after 10 minutes, given mm, the fact know. that don't rule well, it out. Well, set maximum <laughs> lunge. I don't know, but given the fact that um, there's a there's a there was a lot that went wrong against Norwich, particularly in the first ten minutes, and it all, and it sort of set all that aside. I would back Newcastle to end the hoodoo because they have to, like you say, really. Well, I say they have to. I still don't think you're down if you don't, but. I do think in an, it, when you go so long without a win, one in a win is inevitable at some point. And they have been a bit of a bogey team for Burnley recently, so I'll go two one Newcastle. I'll just prefix this with if all my predictions had come through this season, I reckon we'd be challenging for Europe, Same, maybe I think Champions we'd be League. If it was me, said three one every week. Well, that's what I'm going for. I'm saying three one Newcastle. I think hopefully we'll see quality shine through, but there's a lot. There's just, there is quite a lot to be worried about with the Burnley team, you know. Mm. Corne, who we talked about at length, Chris Wood is just, uh, just a, an absolute an absolute menace. He's horrible, McNeil's but he's effective. McNeil's a very yeah. good footballer. There's a lot. There is, and he's a solid defensively as well. It, this is such yeah, a step up from the beat. Norwich game because Burnley are a much better side than Norwich. Well yeah, organized, definitely. just just a well oiled team. They're not the best. I'm sure you'll you'll admit that, Johnny. Yeah. But they've been in the Premier League for a long time, and you can see why. 
Yeah, like I say, I, I I I didn't really want confrontation, so I just agree with you, you know. And then we'll go, we'll, go we'll, we'll just we'll just go with it, roll with the times. If I'm right, I'll say, you know what, I'm like I'm Mystic Meg. But if I'm wrong, I'm really happy because, of course, that probably means a positive result in the favour of Burnley. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. So Dan's gone with three one. Stupidly, I'm going to go with the win as well. Uh, I'm going to go four three Newcastle. <laughs> Gee, oh, I don't know if my heart can take that. I don't know if my heart can take it, but like, if you're a betting man, mm. any Newcastle game, just just back both teams to score. It's just mm. guaranteed. Newcastle will score in the game. They'll concede. There's going to be a lot of defensive mishaps. I think St Maximan will turn up like he traditionally does against Burnley. Mm. And I fancy Joe Linton to get on the score sheet as well, but we'll we'll mm. see on Saturday. It's a massive game. We'll be back mm. next week to review all of this and hopefully from a Newcastle point of view, it's finally that first <laughs> three points of the season. But thanks as ever, Dan, for coming on. And of course, thank you, Johnny, as well, for joining us for the first time on Tyne Warp. Hope to get you on for the second edition of Burnley versus Newcastle at the end of the season. But this has been Tyne Warp, brought to you by Vavil UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United, as well as the rest of the Premier League and the EFL too. From us three lads, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.